Hi guys, it's Lou. The episode you're about to listen to is all about difficult conversations. There can be a huge cost to poor communication in our relationships at work and in our personal lives. Too often we assume communication should be natural and we don't work at it. In this conversation, Sal and I admit to some pretty negative patterns and cycles we've let develop as a result of not speaking our complete truth or telling people what we think they want to hear. We also touch on the gender pay gap and discuss why women typically seem to struggle so much more than men to be promoted in the workplace. Finally, we'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and welcome any ideas you have for future episodes. Drop us an email at thepurposepatch at gmail.com. That's thepurposepatch at gmail.com. Welcome to The Purpose Patch, where our intention is to help you grow a life you love. Join us on our adventures as we discover the fun and joy in taking action. Hosted by Sal Mack and Luz Vargo, two ex-corporate slaves who've decided life is worth a bigger roll of the dice. Each episode will put the theories to the test with practical actions you can follow too. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, episode three. Hello, Lou. Hi, Sal. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. We're recording in the morning today. I know. Bit of a different energy. It's great. Caffeined up. Can hear the morning birds outside. Oh, lovely. As opposed to the afternoon birds. Yeah, I know. Different, different trilling. Different dynamic. Okay, so last time we were talking about energy traps and how, I guess a part of that was different people we interacted with, Mm. different conversations we had, and whether that made us feel uplifted or depleted in energy. And then from that, we've been, I guess, being more aware of those situations. And then we started talking about difficult conversations. Yes. And look, there are so many, whether it be at work or in your personal life. I mean, communicate. We can all talk, Sal, can't we? We can. Some of us more than others. Yeah. Um, But just because you can talk doesn't mean you're an effective or a good communicator. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something I, until recent kind of years, I don't think I'd thought a lot about that. No. And we were, I mean, what has been really interesting recently, and it's just, you know, it's been in the papers over the weekend, um, and you've just returned from the UK, and there's been a lot of talk around the gender pay gap in the workforce, mm-hmm. work for, di- across different industries. And well, every company over 250 employees was forced to report the figures for yeah. men and women. So it's pretty explosive. Some pretty illuminating things came out and some pretty amazing, the way it was all handled by some of those, those organisations was pretty outrageous. Oh, well, in terms of um, professional service firms trying to leave out partner figures, for example. Yeah. So, I'd, I mean, I'd love to see it happen in Australia, so hopefully it does. But it did make, you know, what we were talking about was why is it that men are much better at going into bat for themselves? Oh, absolutely. Particularly around, area, you know, issues... With pay, I mean, I don't know if you're happy to share that story that you told me. Yes. About yes. At, at one of your workplaces where you found out what a male colleague had been paid or had requested a pay rise, is it? Yeah, it was actually worse than that. So I'd always, I guess, respected the pay cycle, and in as the years went on, I did become better at asking for what I thought was fa- fair pay increases or, or 
perhaps even bonus figures. But I had no idea that other people were asking for things in between the pay cycle. So this guy was a great example because he was on the same level as me. He then threatened to leave and said he'd been offered another job and he, you know, made his list of demands. Now, I think the the senior leadership made an error in sharing this with me. I'm not sure what why they did that, but they did. And knowledge is power. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like you don't want to know sometimes. Yeah. But they did, and I think I really struggled with it. I felt so let down, so disappointed because this man also was not a high performer. And everyone had acknowledged that. So I I really found it completely unjust that they were then going to bend over backwards and give him whatever he wanted. He had already just had a pay rise kind of two months before. And what he was asking for was pretty significant. So I, I think this was really a turning point for me because I stewed over it. I got really angry. I thought about quitting myself in kind of a fit of petulant rage and it just highlighted to me how much I I don't voice things and I didn't voice things and I just took it internally and pushed it down and really got resentful. So I actually forced myself to have a conversation with my boss at the time and I scripted it. Did you? I practised yeah. it with mm. my friend Kaz. I thought about it very carefully for about a month and, I, you know, you have to wait, I think, for the anger to dissipate a bit because you don't want to be accused of, God forbid, you're emotional, especially it's around your peri- It's your period. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's got PMS. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was actually the best conversation professionally I've ever had. And at one point, he did listen to me. It was a much older man. He was probably around 60 and he said to me, oh, Sally, I hear what you're saying. I can understand you see it this way. But I've got to tell you, I think it's your inexperience showing through and it's your age because this sort of thing happens all the time. Oh, with men. No, so, well, that's what he said. And I, I was kind of my jaw dropped. And I said, well, with respect, I think I'll, it's my personality. I find it completely unjust and unfair. And I think I'll be offended when I'm 70 if this yeah. happens. And I said to him, you don't have to answer this. It's completely up to you. But I'm just wondering, is it more men than women that this is happening with because I would never even, it would not occur to me to do this. He truthfully answered and he was a bit embarrassed and he said, but credit to him for answering, he said, well, I guess now I think about it, yes, that would be accurate. And this was kind of that three... men were the ones that were asking more often. Yeah, yeah. and this was three years ago. Yeah. So there was no Me Too, there was no gender reporting, there was, it, this was actually quite an unspoken thing at that time. But what I'm trying to say is I guess that speaking up and asking for what you want, if you don't ask, you're never going to get. Yeah. So we're not yeah. saying that they were unreasonable in asking for those that pay increase the situation that you were referring to definitely but not exactly always. not always it's just what's illuminating is we haven't realized this has been going on mm. i don't think yeah so it's almost like a secret society mm. but equally i i do think it's fair to say because at the end he said well sally what do you want are you saying you want more money and it took everything in me to say yes yes i am saying that yeah and, you know, the way he presented it was I was being a bit of a brat to, to ask for that. But actually, 
if they were giving it to the other guy, then why wasn't I getting it when I was a much higher performer? Yeah, see, I've never in my life asked for more more money. Or I've, I've talked around it. Yeah, no, I just don't because I think I'm the kind of person, and to my detriment, I think it's that I always go, I'm just going to do a really good job and mm. someone's surely going to notice mm. and I'll just put in the extra hours and da-da-da, whatever. Yeah. And then they're going to notice and then they'll just naturally – I think a lot of women think that way and and it has come back to bite me because all it does is it makes you frustrated or resentful. And you're right. I think a big – the interesting thing you talked about in that story was he was a guy who was willing to walk away. So how does that Well, change? he wasn't though – that's oh, the interesting making, yeah. thing because how we how everybody realised that what he'd said was a lie is because he started backing down on the exact demands. So clearly he didn't have another job offer, which makes it even worse. Yeah, but if he if he had, do you think that would change? I might be willing if I was willing to walk away from a job and I had something else lined up. That would that would be the only instance in which I would say, oh, look, if you could match. Do you know what I, mean? I think it's a question of integrity for me. I yeah. do think that can very easily go into the threat yeah. landscape. Yeah. And yeah. I think if you've decided to leave a job, my belief is that you're you checked you out yeah. and money is only going to keep you for so long. Yeah. My first boss said to me when I said to him, I'm leaving, and he said, no, I, are we going to have a conversation about money or are you out? And I said, no, no, I'm out because yeah. I'd make I'm done. Exactly right. I'd accepted a job offer yeah. and this was the so, last. So if me. I had a team member that came to me and said, well, I'm leaving unless you give me this, that to me is they're already gone. I don't think that's the way to present it. I think you can ask for what's what you're worth at the appropriate times when you've demonstrated performance. Mm. But it's, you know, this whole thing of threatening and... Well, that means means the conversation and the real conversation around what you think you're worth and the value to the organisation of your time and your commitment needs to happen long before someone's standing in front of you and... Yeah. giving you their resignation. Like yeah. I think leaders and managers need to. Who is it? Is it incumbent on managers or is it incumbent upon employees to come? I think out it's those, both. Both. Yeah, it's both. Because my next boss, he joined and he joined right before it was pay mm. review time, and I said to him, "Oh, so I'll get some time in your diary to discuss my expectations." because you won't be up to speed with all that I've delivered and all the extra responsibility I've taken on. So I'll just pop that in your diary. And he, he looked at me with utter horror <laughs> and shock. This was a kind of older English man. And he said, well, I don't think that's necessary. And I said, oh, I do. And I just put it in. And I did sit him down and walk him through everything. And I said, so my expectations based on this are X, Y and Z. Yes, I've never done that. You are streets ahead of me. Oh, no, but it's so hard. (laughs) It is so hard, Lou. Yeah. And it's only when you've been screwed over a few times visibly. Mm. Yeah, that you get a bit hardened up to that. That you have to kind of – I think I just realised I don't don't think it's always up to the organisation or the leader. No, well, I don't either. I actually think that it's far more incumbent upon me or anyone who wants – to have that conversation and it's not just about pay it's about conditions it's about expectations or kpis training, around training there's there's so many things that contribute to your enjoyment of your your role but look i did just think it was interesting timely at the moment around 
all that's happening in the UK and here. I mean, we were also watching that that funny video that I think it's quite clever, those two girls from Growing Up Gracefully, the Riley sisters, Hannah and Eliza, and they yeah. did that. On ABC. Yeah, and so they were responding to, oh, you know, the national average women are only being paid for 84% of their time. So yeah. It's quite a funny. It's quite a funny so video. You can they leave all leave at three twenty-three, three forty-three, three forty-three p.m. Yeah. But I mean, responding to industry surveys, job wage surveys, I couldn't get over some of the stats on some of that stuff. So barristers, seventy-two percent pay gap. I know. Surgeons were forty-three. Financial advisors, fifty-three. It's just in this day and age, quite staggering. And and that's why I think this this episode, and I will hand on heart and admit from the outset, I'm not great at sometimes having a really honest conversation around what's in my heart. And that's affecting sometimes my job and also personal life because there's some things showing up in personal life. And the the patterns, whether no matter where I am in my life, are the same. Yeah. That's what actually got me thinking. So Mm. because I'd had – I managed a team in Hong Kong and I think I was trying to more be their friend than their manager and leader. And that actually ended up presenting problems and I just wanted them to like me. And so when I had another team in London – I was still nowhere near what I should have been, but I was a bit more attuned to that and trying to keep that gap. And that's what got me thinking, if I script these conversations at work and I have to practice them, then what about the hard ones in personal life? Mm. Like I still can't tell my boyfriend at the time what I really want or expect, you know, for my birthday or for... I can't tell my friend that I feel let down because she hasn't responded to some texts or... Do you think for you it's it's particularly in your personal life and work as well, it's finding the context because it feels like even having – you don't want it to seem forced. So are the you mo- picking or you're the moment. Picking the moment and yeah. that's the really hard part. So, you know, not not wanting to seem like you're trying too hard or putting too much pressure to make it seem like – yeah, a, a bit big lighter. deal. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, neither of us have kids, but it, might, it must be so hard when you're raising a family with your partner and in the, the day-to-day, and it's someone who you're so familiar with, but there's often something sitting underneath the surface that you're failing to address. There's so much unsaid. Yeah, and, and what happens yeah. by not talking about that stuff, it gets bigger and bigger and erodes connection yeah absolutely on a daily basis Mm. and so I think one of the issues I've recognized is if I don't tell someone how I'm feeling I think there's an exercise to be done in sifting that and figuring Mm. it out yourself and calming down a bit first maybe practicing the noticing and thinking of a good way to bring it up but still quite timely so a day or two maybe after. But I think if I don't do that, what I've noticed, particularly with personal but also at work, I'll just avoid that person. Yeah. Oh, God, I do that all the time. Yeah. They're eventually. Yeah. Here's how it goes. So there's me and someone else. Yeah. We don't have a conversation. I feel awkward about it. I don't confront it, but I don't tell them to their face. So they're blissfully unaware that I'm unhappy. Yeah. I continue to get more and more annoyed and eventually... And repressed. Repressed. Yeah. And then eventually that person is excommunicated from my life. Yeah. But they still don't, they're not sure. They have no, no idea. So no one's learned anything. And then person, I do uh, that as well. That's a major thing for me. And then I feel like a bad human. Yeah. I feel false. I feel internally angry and kind of bad energy 
I just, it's really, it's a really bad pattern. Well, there's the guilt for bringing it up because you think, oh, you don't want to make them feel bad. Well, this is the thing though. They're going to feel bad either way because yeah. <laughs> if you don't tell them, <laughs> they're never going to hear from you again eventually. You're damned if you do. You know? You're damned if you don't. Yeah. Okay. So, so well, I think this is, I'm excited to get stuck into this one. I'm actually not excited because I feel very out of my comfort zone this month. And yeah. yeah so I think maybe the challenge is for us with what we are noticing that's coming up in our own lives I'm going to try and have three conversations, Sal. Honest That's convers- a lot, Lou. Really? Going from zero to 60 there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a noble... Okay. Noble... <laughs> three, that's surely not too many. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Yeah, give it a go. I I am going to... Well, I guess I'll, I'll just try to do the same. Yeah. I think it's about, for me, because maybe I've done a few more difficult conversations because I've been forced into it through the work thing... Maybe I'm going to try and do them more in the moment. So instead of having to go away and think about it and reorganise my brain, I'll try and be more present when it's actually happening and responding in that moment. Oh, well, that's what I would like to do as well, though. Isn't that the key? you practice it, though. Yeah, but see how you go. Because for me, with the mm. work stuff, I found I first had to really practice it, script it, go away. Mm. It wasn't ideal, but for me, it was a process to go through. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Great. All right. See you soon, Sal. See you. Bye. Here we are, part two of our episode on difficult conversations. Hello, Sally. It's the day of truth. Sal, so, I really... I really failed this month. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. There's no I'm such really thing as the There's no I'm... such thing. You practiced. That's what it's all about. I don't even know if I really practiced. I actually just, I, I really, I don't think I really did practice at all. I think I just, what I did do though, I became aware, super aware how much this is a problem for me in my life and it's affecting I feel stuck in so many things and the cycle I mean I had a bit of insight into that that there was the same cycle happening in a whole lot of different areas but it's it's everywhere yeah it's pernicious <laughs> it's a monster yeah I wanted to use that word so I'm glad oh. I got it in what okay why and did you get to kind of the root of why you think you avoid yes I think I did yeah what would that be I just want to be liked. Yeah. I just, my intention in so many situations is just, please like me. That's big though. That's a big discovery. It's big of you to say that. It is. It's a bit pathetic. But I I, I realise I am just wanting too often to be non-confrontational and be liked. Yeah. But the thing is, if I guess it's how authentic is that? Because can you be truly liked if you're not? really well i know it is genuinely that is my authentic like what i think my intention is Mm. it's completely unrealistic nor and i know in my head there is no way you're going to be liked by everyone it's just impossible you know so i don't i know intellectually i shouldn't be striving to be liked by everyone it's not it's not and and nor and some people are batshit crazy i don't need their approval (laughs) don't you think though i do think we should let ourselves a little bit off the hook here because 
girls are socialized or certainly were when we were growing up to be nice. It's a proven researched fact. And we went to we went to girls', girls schools, schools. Yeah. which you know we can blame for a lot of our troubles. Oh, um, the whole good girl thing. Yeah, is the whole such a problem. But equally, you were taught in that environment to never say anything directly to another person, but you would say it behind their back often. Yeah. So it's no surprise that some of that carries on. And also, just hundreds of years of living, well, not that I lived for hundreds of years, but the whole patriarchal society <laughs> yeah. and the role of women. Yeah. And yeah, I think, so this is bigger than just us. We should yeah. recognize that. I think it is conditioned. And so, what's an example of something you can well, come up against? Yeah, I think a few. I want to be a bit, bit careful which examples I use because clearly I haven't resolved some of these situations. Twicky. The beauty of uh, doing a podcast that goes out to an audience of who knows who. Yes. <laughs> no, but look, one I do want to talk about, and they won't mind, we actually all think it's pretty funny. And Maybe what... I should read the email that sparked the problem. You were on this email chain. My older brother has moved to the UK. So one of the things we're doing as a family, very exciting, we're going over to visit him. And so we're having a week with my brothers and my mum and dad in, and in France nephews. and my nephew. So yep. super exciting. And it just so happens that I'd been having these conversations with a few different people. And I don't know, what is this about 2018? There seemed to be a few people heading over to Europe. Yeah, so just when I moved back. Just when you've moved now. back. Yep. So I sent out an email and this is what I wrote. I said, hey guys, just wanted to start a bit of a thread with Europe plans for 2018. And already my head's in my hands when <laughs> I'm reading Spargo, this. what are you doing? Yeah. I know you've all mentioned being in the Northern Hemisphere this year and thought we should share our itineraries and plans as they develop. I'm going to be with a family on these dates, after which I have no plans, but would love to rendezvous with some others if our paths happen to cross and we're around at the same time. I think I'll stay around to about 2025 July. I'm not set on going anywhere particular, but would perhaps love a bit more France, Italy, grow up, you know, reel off these places. Feel free to forward the email or share with anyone else. Oh, my God, Spargo. (laughs) And then I've proceeded to, once people have responded and said, yeah, I'm doing this and this and this, I've just, instead of kind of going, okay, this is probably what I most want to do, or, you know, let's do a few days here. I've just stuck my head in the sand. Avoided. And avoided. Mm. And I she said, went cold on the chain. And look, work, work was busy. And, and that was actually another thing. I, I feel like it stressed me out so much that I couldn't possibly look at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, avoidance. That's the pattern. I actually do feel guilty because what I've kind of put out there into the world is, hey, let's share some plans. So people have kind of held off booking some things and yeah, I haven't. I could have handled that better. I should have been kind of like straight away once. Yeah, because what did happen? What has happened is that I do have some extra plans now with the family, and then a couple of people started making some plans in one spot, and I was like, "Well, that'd be really fun to join." Da 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 da. And then no one would have been sh- shirty shitty. They just needed to kind of be told, and I kind yeah. of made it in my head a much bigger thing. This does. I'm I'm listening to myself telling you this story and it sounds ridiculous. It does. But those things that kind of get away from us and then we start catastrophizing it in our head. Yeah. And the problem (laughs) is, is that in your head, you'd given the message of, hey, happy days, let's just share plans. I think other people had received that Mm. as we're going to all book something together. Yeah. So that's this is communication. In a funny way, I actually see the humour in this and like... Most things in my life, if I can find some comedic fodder from it, 
I'll keep talking about it. But yeah, situations where I'm not speaking my truth and just being honest and just saying it without emotion, I'm struggling with. And there are lots of examples that are still unresolved. A couple of couple of conversations that I think if I had would shift my life quite significantly. And so I did want to talk about, although I feel like I haven't resolved those conversations, I have enlisted some help, Sal. I have started reading a book, which I haven't finished yet, but I'm really, really enjoying. And it was recommended to me by a good friend, Kate. Is it called Life Problems of Planning European (laughs) Vacations? Very funny, Sally. No, it's not. Uh, That's the next book I've got to read on my nightstand. The book that I'm reading that I would like to share with everyone is is a book by Susan Scott called Fierce Conversations. Ooh. Even the title had me excited. I like it, Fierce. But, no, look, I, a mate of mine just said this is a really great book, I'm enjoying it, it's really helped me. And she's right, what this book does really well is sets out a bit of a scripting template. Mm-hmm. You, know, you talked the first part about the value of scripting things and setting them out and mm. actually doing that thought and the process logic. work. Yeah. yeah. So I've realised I've you're quite right, Sal, I needed some help planning, pre-planning those conversations. And this book is fantastic for that. It gives some really good real life examples that Susan has done. She's gone into organisations and worked with leaders about how to have those conversations. Mm. And this sounds really simple, but I mean, a cornerstone of her work is all around this philosophy that relationships happen in in the conversations that we have. And so you start to see how vital all these conversations are and that if we don't have them and we don't have them about the right things, those relationships start to disintegrate and degrade, which is Mm. what I've seen happen for myself at times. And also the expense for us and the cost of having these unreal conversations. Well, this, Lou, I think this is linked to our energy Oh, absolutely. It's, I'm not surprised that this has been the next episode that we've yeah. we've done. Yeah. So I just want to read one paragraph from the book and I'll finish with that one. But I think this is so for me why this book is important and why I'd recommend it to anyone else who is struggling with this same area. Susan writes, our work, our relationships and our lives succeed or fail one conversation at a time. While no single conversation is guaranteed to transform a company, a relationship or a life, any single conversation can. Speak and listen as if this is the most important conversation you'll ever have with this person. It could be. Participate as if it matters. It does. So there's so much in that that, I mean, is obvious, but I think it was quite, it really struck me like a, mm. a punch to the chest. So I, think great I was searching for a metaphor and nothing really gave. really creative. It hit me in the head. No, but... I'm sure people listening or I'm sure Sal, conversation, if we have it around the right things, yeah, can unlock and transform things. And if I had the – I'm going to. I'm going to keep – obviously, yeah. I have to keep working on this We're area. Gonna, yeah. But the courage to really face the things and have the conversations that matter. Oh, I think – so this has come up between us before when the point around you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or you don't want to be rude or whatever it is – I love this quote, which this is a bit left field, but I I think it speaks to me in the way that your quote does speak to you. And it comes from this book called Love Warrior. So it's more about love, but I think this is true of any relationship or conversation. And the quote is, now I wonder, is love not a feeling, but a place between two present people? A sacred place created when two people decide it's safe enough to let their real selves surface and touch each other. And then she says, is that why it's called love, in love, because you have to visit there? And so like, I think the way I'm trying to flip it is go, 
by being more honest, it's actually better for that person. Yeah. Like you're bringing more to them. Yeah. Instead of, because if you're not being honest, I think what's happening is I'm in my head playing a tape. So mm. they're saying something and I'm thinking, no, that's that's stupid or I don't agree with that or like you're crazy or whatever I'm thinking you're not present no and I I haven't taken that leap yet like I don't know what it's like to be in the world and be 100% myself because so much I feel of my success or who I am as a person is on yeah so that's going to feel going scary. Being like, it feels totally scary. scary. Like, who am I if I'm not always doing that? But I've got a good example for you. Yeah, so hit me. Hit me. I've just... you, you will have been, you will have hit this challenge no. this month out of the ballpark. Uh, no, 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 not at all. But I think I'm a, I'm a few years of, because I've had to be ahead through the work stuff. So anyway, and that's how long it takes. I, I do think this is a lifetime of practice. So I've been working at this health retreat in rural Australia. It's been very interesting for the past five weeks. And this was a brilliant test for me because the the role was really around customer service. You were dealing with a lot of different people, including the staff and the guests. Really crucial that you keep your energy at the right level. So the first day I got there, one of the staff members immediately got into some conversation topics with me, was, I would say, oversharing a lot of information, right? In the past, I would have matched that. I would have kind of encouraged it. I would have said, you know, felt quite honored that she was sharing with me and thought, oh, she must really like me. And for me, for her to like me back or to build trust and a rapport, I'm going to have to then share back or encourage what she's saying. I was, in, in that moment, I was aware. And actually, I said to myself, just be careful, you know, you can listen to what someone's saying. It's quite uncomfortable, this, but it doesn't mean you really have to respond. And you certainly don't have to agree. So I practiced that and I just listened and didn't invite further conversation. I feel like we could do a whole episode, Sal, on the conversations that you've had at this health retreat recently. But it is sort of on topic because you did make great friends with a lovely woman who was also there doing an internship who is I did. a teacher. Yes. And she teaches sex ed and also phys ed, is that right? Yeah. But, and it, and it just struck a call with me because it was certainly my experience at school, but the conversations we don't have with kids around sex and sexuality. Oh, intimacy, relationships. I mean, it was all about the banana and the condom. Yeah, and, and we were, we were talking it. about this, that if that's what you teach kids, no wonder they think that's what sex is about. I know. Because well, they think it's all about the penis going in a hole. And if you're not doing that, <laughs> if you're two women or two men. Yeah, yeah. Well. No, but equally, that's not a relationship. That's not communication. That's not, And it's also not teaching women anything about their own pleasure or teaching men about that. I mean, yeah. it's no wonder everyone's a bit confused. Well, I remember our sex ed teacher at school even said that, that there needs to be more conversations around sexuality and what that yeah. means and, and, and intimacy. But she proceeded to not then talk about that. Oh. She clearly identified that as an issue. But how often do parents, I think, or yeah, whoever's involved in you know, giving sex ed advice, get embarrassed or not know how to have those conversations. And Well, how, how hard is it to even tell someone you're in a relationship with what you want? Yeah. Yeah. That's just almost the worst thing in the world. 
So what did And this... you're supposed to be closest to that person. Which brings it back to what you were saying, all the stuff you don't say to the people you're closest to that keep distance. It's unbelievable. So what did just to give some examples, because there were some fun ones, what did what did she talk about? What did she talk to these kids about? Oh, she was out. I mean, the stuff, she's so gifted at this. And she she told me, described a few of the examples. And she said how, because she'd also be going to quite rough schools. And she, you know, would start off saying to the kids, okay, well, you know, what do you think is the most intimate thing you can do with someone? And they'd often say, well, it's, you know, penetrative sex. And she'd say, well, let's think about that because, you know, what about holding hands? What about talking about how you feel? What about all these other components? And actually she brought them around to see that that's just an end result. That's not the intimacy, which, you know, and she also, um, the best examples... where she was describing just because you've been together a long time and she described you know so maybe the husband is is run a bath for the wife and he's getting her in the the mood you know that whole stereotype having to warm her up I mean I can tell you that's never happened for me I'm obviously a bit easy but (laughs) but then she said episode four (laughs) that's episode four but then she said and, and what do you think the wife could say at that point if all of that, those nice things have happened, they've had a lovely time, they've really connected, they're feeling good about each other and she, you know, the husband might like to have sex and she doesn't feel like it, right? And this grade five little boy, very innocently apparently, put his hand up and said she could say, get fucked, you dopey cunt. <laughs> I think that's pretty <laughs> She's pretty straightforward. Well, I think you'd so, get the point across, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. But I, I think her point was, okay, once she stopped laughing at that, was what's a less aggressive way you could communicate that? Okay. But it, it's funny how kids see it much simpler. They haven't quite got all the filters. The nuance. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind of a lesson as well as might not need to say it that way. But it is – I mean, I just know when I'm in a relationship – I have to keep catching myself going, okay, I'm defaulting now into emotional blackmail territory where I'm just going to say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, okay, fine. Actually, I just need to say, I feel disappointed by that or what you just said doesn't sit very well. Yeah. Oh, I think this is such a huge topic. I mean, it, it applies to so many things, and the more you start We've to think about it, we've just covered every realm oh, of life. Or look about, anyway. look at politics, the things that have been significant for our nation. Kevin Rudd saying sorry to the Indigenous people. You know, there yeah. are. That's a left field. <laughs> Wanted to, I, mean, I wanted to go a bit highbrow because you said cunt. Yeah. <laughs> I never say that word, but so it's I such know. a good example. So I like to bring up political leaders. Why not? The association. I mean, that happened between... like 20 years ago. Wasn't that? Yeah. But look, my point is that expressing and acknowledging. Yeah. Yeah. What is... I think as well, you can't compartmentalize it. If, it, like you said, you found it's in every aspect. And if you start practicing just in one aspect, I found it easier to do at work. It'll spill over. Yeah. I found yeah. it much harder to do in personal. So does this not count, talking about it on a podcast? I mean, it's the beginning. It's the beginning. <laughs> 
It's a beginning. All right. Well, work for me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, it's going to be ongoing. But I do think it's got a huge potential to bring your relationships a lot closer. Absolutely. If you can do it. And also release yourself from stress and anxiety a bit more. Well, this has been wonderful today, Sal. I feel like I've released and learned a lot. <laughs> She's trying to avoid the exercise. <laughs> we might all come back to this in the next episode, I think. Okay, I'll give you a summation. Might need to I'm be a part on. two. I think it could need to be. All right. Bye-bye. See you, everybody.